Good afternoon. I'm Kelvin Thompson from here at UCF Center for Distributed Learning, and I would like to welcome you to creating accessible content in the online course environment. Lots of seats in the front row. Come right on in. We'll be glad to have you right up here. Uh, this is part of UCF's faculty seminars and online teaching. Our intention of each of these 30-minute brief focused seminars is to provide a treatment of a topic relevant to online teaching while connecting our participants to an array of follow-up resources. Today's seminar will be successful, in our view, if you walk away with one thing that you can apply in your teaching context. I'd like to acknowledge participants here on site, many of whom who are trying to sit as far back in the room as possible, rather than in the luxurious seats afforded them in the front row, uh, and a variety of people in easy chairs uh, joining us online. Uh, also, um, for those folks who are online, they're in good hands with Tipsy Aviles as our online moderator and Ed Loiko, making sure that all the technical bits stay together. And those of you who are here physically have found a few uh, items either on your seat or in front of you on the, the table. And uh, those have uh, a number of follow-up resource URLs and so forth. But uh, all of these resources will be provided electronically on the seminar website afterwards. And we'll send that email out to everybody as well. So, you're not a paper person, don't worry about it. If you want to jot notes, that's fine. A few folks online were a little loath uh, or a little delayed in getting uh, uh, those to you. So just pay real close attention to the PowerPoint as we go through. Uh, in the feedback form for today's session, feel free to share any unanswered questions that you might have or any relevant ideas or resources that would benefit others. And we'll distribute those out to everybody. Uh, with no further ado, please. Join me in welcoming today's speakers, Kathleen Bastido and Christine Hanley. Thank you, Kelvin. Um, I did want to, you know, I'm going to have to say it, Christine. I was a little worried about Christine this week. She, she was kind of slacking off. She had really nothing going on. I think the city were doing qualifying exams or yeah, something. Something about being, coming ABD. Yes, yeah, so now she's ABD. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Um, my, uh, many years ago, my re small research area used to be accessibility. I used to spend a little bit of time on it and um, with, for online courses, and now it's kind of turned into a part-time job. We're going to talk about why that's been happening. Um, some of you may be aware of the laws that are, were created to ensure accessibility. I'm not going to go into details. You can find out about it online, but we as a public university have to um, meet these uh, accessibility of online materials, and that's been really since 1990. And since 1996, it has um, specifically related to information on the, in online courses. They had to be specific about it because people kept saying, well, you don't mean, you didn't say online courses, so you don't mean that. And so the Department of Justice and Department of Education got together and said, yes, we do mean online courses, online course materials. And in last um, fall, the provost, Dr. Waldrop, came out with a faculty with a letter. Are people familiar with the letter? Letter. Um, he kind of reiterated that it's the faculty's responsibility to provide accessible online course materials. Student disabilities will provide the audio portions for, for captions for students with disabilities. And the Center for Distribu Distributed Learning will provide captions for video materials and the continued support that we do already. Um, reason for this was because, well, we'll see in a minute. There's been uh, an increase in the materials that are going into online courses. We're going to look at three different areas. One, when you're creating 
new online courses and how universal design for learning can be applied to that when you're creating these courses. We're going to look at your current courses that you have created that maybe you've added components to that maybe aren't accessible. We're going to talk about things that you can do to help make them. And we call that the proactive approach, looking at that course and seeing, you know, you may not you may not be familiar with things that you put up there that maybe aren't accessible. So we're and then um, the combinations that Students with Disabilities Services provides, they they do a lot with face-to-face. Um, -face. They usually, like, they'll send someone first or to your actual face-to-face -face class if you need a trans translator or an interpreter. Um, that doesn't happen online. So we're going to look at okay, just a little bit. Are, is anyone here familiar with Universal Design for Learning? <laughs> People I work with, Kevin is. Okay, any ideas what that could mean? We're going to talk about that. Um, Universal Design for Learning, it's kind of based on, you've heard of Universal Design, the old, um, one of the original things was making curb cuts accessible for wheelchairs, and that not only benefits people in wheelchairs, but it benefits, like if you have um, something like a rolling bag or a, something a that, stroller. maybe a stroller, yeah. you're not going to go around that curb cut and use the curb because it's that's only for people with disabilities. You're going to go and use it because it's universally designed for everybody. Anybody that can't, for whatever reason at that time, use the curb can use the curb cut. So it's made to benefit everybody. That's the whole purpose of universal design. So as far as your online courses, um, we ask that you present your material in multiple formats. So if you um, have something in like text, maybe you want to provide something in audio format, maybe in visual format, things like that, using different kinds of media. Who benefits from that? Students who have English as a second language, international students, other students, um, as well as students with disabilities, and that includes, students with disabilities includes um, hearing impaired, visually impaired, but uh, the largest group of students with disabilities at UCF are students with learning disabilities. That's the, um, the people that benefit in this country from using captioning. Do you think it's students that are hearing impaired or someone else? Do you think it's people with hearing impaired? People who hang out in bars. <laughs> people who hang out in bars, yes. But actually, people with English as a second language turn on the captions more often than anybody else. So basically, every and people in bars, that's second. <laughs> so basically, everyone benefits. And, and again, when you're creating your courses, this is, it's a lot to do, so we want you to you know, start little, start with what you can do, and, and we'll help you. We have materials out there to help. So the proactive approach that I mentioned is the courses that you already have created. And you might be wondering, well, why are we talking about it now? Um, we have a definite increase in online credit. I think it's now 33% credit, online credit. Credit hours are online, and I think that's exposed. Um, people are using lots of different kinds of yeah, all, all different kinds, PowerPoints, videos, um, audio, all different kinds of things, whereas years ago it might have just been text-based materials. And that we have actually seen an increase in students' abilities here at UCF. I think when, as I was saying, it uh, used to be like my part-time interest in, you know, me and I've worked together on this for years. One semester, you might find maybe one student needed to go, 
and then you might not hear about that for a year, a year and a half, two years. Now every semester we have students that need captioning, and sometimes more than one student. The amount of those types of students has actually increased over time. What can you do? Okay, we um, we have we have created um, like an online course review that you can look at. We're going to have that available for you after the seminar. It'll be available online. The things that you should be looking at are your course content pages. Most accessible course content page are HTML pages. And then you can add, you have to be careful when you add things like Word documents and PowerPoint, and then PowerPoints and PDFs. Um, other things that people add are audio and video, either together or sometimes audio separately. And screencasts. How many people here use screencasts? In there? So if you um, narrate PowerPoint, is can be one of those where you would add audio portion to your PowerPoint. If you do that, if you have someone who's hearing impaired, they're not going to be able to to obtain that. Images are being added to again. It could be added to PowerPoints. They can be added to your HTML pages. Um, other types of graphics. Math formulas are starting to starting to see more and more of those courses online, and there um, there are some things out there that can help. We'll talk about that in a little while, but we still have a ways to go with with math formulas. And then lecture capture is also starting to grow, and that includes integrity classes. And um, if you use Adobe Connect and you have an audio portion, that part not may not. This is um, just a screenshot of of the review that we made for you. We we're kind of Try to break it down by items that you might include in your course. So the quizzes and exams has been around for a while. If you need extra time, you have to add. Um, right now in this system, you have to add another test. That the how many people here came to the? We had like three days of looking at different course management. <laughs> I saw you every day. Um, some of the other systems have easier ways to do this, but that's something that that you have to provide. Um, and then it, it looks at all the other documents that I had and, and some resources that you can use that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. This is, um, we're going to just do a really quick poll. How many people in here use HTML pages, but PDF documents? A lot of you. Do you, um, do you include images in those documents? Do you know if those, if those PDF documents are accessible to screen readers? If someone has a I'm here today. Okay. They may they may not be, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that. How about um, do people include Word documents? Do you have images in those? And then just generally images. We talked about photos, graphics, and math formulas. And then again, how about um, audio, video, screencasts? And how many people use lecture capture like Adobe? Do you have any anything online? Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So. Um, some of the resources just around the campus include, um, Kevin E. here is from the Faculty Center. They have scanners with OCR capabilities. OCR stands for Optical Character Recognition. And that means when you scan in a paper that um, if you just scan in a, a general like an image, like it's like making a copy off of the copy machine. To a screen reader, it looks like just an image. It's not something that um, this, People here know what screen readers are. Screen reader is was developed for personal computers back when 
there were no images or it wasn't like an interactive graphic internet. It was all just words. And it was developed for people who were blind or visually impaired so that they could access whatever was on the computer. And um, when it turned into a graphical computer situation, the, the um, screen readers had to catch up and be able to read all kinds of different things. So now that when you're adding photos and things with audio, it's hard for those kind of things to catch up with. So when you scan things in using OCR, it makes the image so that a screen reader can actually read it, as opposed to, you know, like if you go to an online form or you think it's an online form or a PDF and you try to click in it and you can't, that means that it's just an image. So to a screen reader, it will like see it and it will just recognize it as an image. It won't be able to read any of the words on it unless it's scanned in as opposed to um, both OIR, FMC, and FCTL have those kind of skills. Adobe Acrobat Professional also has that ability um, to make PDFs and you can actually go into um, set accessibility settings so that it's scanned in or turned into a PDF with accessibility in mind. And then the OIR FMC uh, offers Adobe Connect support so if you're doing a um, lecture capture, they, I think if you have someone with a hearing impairment, students with disability services will contact you. Like I think they're trying to contact you now a month in advance and let you know so that if you have things like Adobe Connect in your in your course, you're going to need to provide access for someone if you have help. Both OIR and SDS will help you figure out how to do it. I think for the um, integrity courses, they are, if you have someone with a hearing impairment, they will be invited, they will add the captioning later on. And as one of the really nice things that they have at OIR now is how many people here know about the audio group? Um, they obtained it through, they filled out a um, tech fee proposal, and they they were awarded this gigantic audio booth that has um, Camtasia in it. Camtasia has a way that you, if you have the script for whatever you're going to say, if you want to narrate a, a PowerPoint presentation, um, add the, the transcription, and it'll make captions for you. You just have to, like, kind of. It also has a really nice um, microphone. It, it, how many people have made screencasts and with narration? Have you done that? Have you got any of that heavy breathing or you can hear yourself? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, um, sometimes like you can hear like the pauses or the breathing and it can be distracting to students. So this setup, there's like there's no extra sounds in it. It's, it's a real audio portion, so it's really nice. And they will set you up, kind of go over how to do it. And I think he, they just want you to sign up to use it. But you can go in and do all your, your um, things. Okay. Other resources are the library, which is upstairs from us. Um, in the fall, they're going to have access. They, they have a license to what's called Swank Motion Pictures. And they are like the, if you use um, Hollywood, or you want to use Hollywood movies, they, they're gonna. You can sign up. There's so many they have. We'll have a semester that the whole campus can access, but most of them have captions already. So movie with captioning, you can sign up for it, and you ask to have the captioning turned up for you. And we just ask that you contact Elizabeth Kilmsworth in the library. They have other kinds of videos. I think video apps. So the library is a really good source for that. Center for Distributed Learning. Us. We offer. Um, we have online at UCF support. They will help you. I think I mentioned earlier that if you need a quiz that needs extra time, they'll if you 
not sure how to do that. The Tech Time series is offered by the Tech are familiar with Tech Rangers, and they have offered to do these short workshops for you if you want to learn how to make accessible PDF documents. If you want to learn, they also created a program that's called Zapt. Z A P T. Um, that's actually a really nice. It's a uh, it converts your Word documents into HTML documents. So if, you're, if you happen to just put Word documents in your course because it's easier, this is a way to take those Word documents and turn them into HTML into your course. As I mentioned earlier, HTML pages are the most full pages that, that you can have in your course. But it's nice to have a variety of things as well. Um, so if you do want to do Word documents, um, at, at the end I'm going to show you where we have some resources so that you can learn how to make accessible Word. If you start with an accessible Word document and convert it into a PDF document, there's a better chance that that PDF document will be accessible as well. You might, that's where the session with the Tech Rangers. Can. Here are some of our sites, which you're going to have access to this online. So I'm not going to. There's the Zap document converter. There's we have accessibility tips and course content. And gonna, we're going to move on with Christine. And if you have any questions at the end. I'm Christine Hamlin. I'm from the School of or the uh, Nicholson School of Communication. I've been teaching online for about 10 years now. And when I started teaching online, it was very different than what we have nowadays. Nowadays we have a lot of description services and those types of things. That we do. And uh, technology has caught up a lot, and so that's helped an awful lot as well. Um, I use a lot of pop culture in my classes. I know a lot of you all do as well. Um, a lot of the time, I'll introduce a concept and I'll show a small clip from a movie or a television show. Something that really explains that concept, and so it kind of relates to the student by the concept that I'm talking about. And so I use a lot of videos in my classes. Um, I usually use about 100 video clips per semester at least. Um, and to, to start making those accessible in the beginning was very difficult, um, especially you know they give you a year after taking IDL to prepare your course. And, and when I took IDL, it was required that you transcribe personally. You, you personally transcribe every single video that you were going to have on there and make sure that the tr transcription was available for the entire course, for that entire semester, before you even started teaching that, that part of the course. So that was very difficult for me. Um, and in terms of the amount of video I had, it was, it was an amazing task. And so um, one of the good things that's happened um, through time, and I should also mention we now have YouTube. Back then we didn't have YouTube. So I was actually using literal video chess tapes and those types of things to, make it to uh, capture the video itself in addition to the transcription. So nowadays we have other tools that we can use. We have YouTube, Dragon, Online at UCF has been a wonderful support for me personally. I think it's been a wonderful support for you as well if you're not already using that. And I should mention that the very first semester that I taught that class, I did have a student with a hearing impairment. And he needed the, the closed captioning on all of those videos. And so I actually, you know, kind of moaned and groaned through the process of developing the course. But then first week of teaching the class, the student self-identifies and I say, wow, my class is, is, is already compatible, no accessibility problems at all. So I was very thankful that I had gone through that painful process in the beginning. Nowadays, it's a lot more, uh, a lot easier for you. Um, some issues that you want to think about, though, um, in terms of um, using videos. Um, there are lots of different ways that you can use videos in the online courses. Um, up at the top of the screen here, you can just, this is just a screen capture of one of my um, pages in my course. You can see a YouTube video that's been embedded. Um, you can also just put a link. A lot of times the YouTube videos nowadays, the owner of the YouTube video can decide whether or not they're going to allow you to embed it or not. 
And sometimes you can just send them an email because that's a question they answer when they upload the video. You want to allow people to embed this or not. They really don't think about it. And so if you tell them I'm teaching UCF, blah, 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 I want to use your video, sometimes they'll, they'll toggle that off for you so you can actually embed it. It will look better than just the link. And then, of course, we have you know lots of videos on um, like the network. So MSNBC has some really great videos that we can use in our courses and uh, whatnot. So this is just kind of a, a different, different ways that we integrate video into the course. Um, now, with these types of videos, we have to provide the transcription. And that becomes extremely difficult. Uh, when we go through um, the uh, level two productions, um, it's a lot easier because they put in the closed captioning all of that for us. Um, unfortunately, level two does not um, do YouTube. And so you have to do that yourself. And so um, with YouTube, what I found is that I actually have to physically still transcribe it word for word. And a lot of people say, oh, no, we've got these new things with um, YouTube. You don't have to worry about that anymore. So when you pull up a YouTube video, um, it has transcription. It has the closed captioning on there. And so if you look at this screenshot, this is just a video that I did in one of my classes. Um, it has that CC identified at the bottom of the screen. If you click on that, that's when you get these words up towards the middle here. And so you can see that it actually has the closed captioning on it. This is a new feature that YouTube has integrated within the past, I think, a year and a half um, that they started doing it. Um, my, I want to provide some words of caution about that, however. Um, sometimes that transcription is not very accurate, especially when we have people who have um, different uh, accents. Um, if you have background noise in the video, um, maybe some background music. Um, it messes with the transcription, and so that's something that you want to take into consideration. And so um, what I've done is I've actually taken this video, I just took a short clip, about 10 seconds of the video, and I transcribed it myself, wrote down exactly what they said word for word, and um, I have it on YouTube on my phone too, so we'll listen to it. Throw it in. There we go. Okay. I'm in hip-hop. Unrecognized and unchecked because it's so normalized. Okay, let's turn that. There we go. Okay, so my transcription actually, now that I'm hearing it, that wasn't even exact. It was close, but not exact, but close enough for closed caption. Um, when we look at the closed captioning that, that YouTube provides, this is what we get from that clip. So, no reason to heal, all its time in hip hop, you all though it's on the goals, unrecognized and unchecked because it's so no moralized. Okay, so the only thing I got right was the unrecognized and unchecked. And that was someone who clearly spoke English very well. This is not, you know, a difficult, didn't have music in the background, no heavy accents. And so this is uh, disconcerting when we're thinking about transcription. A lot of times I hear faculty say, oh, well, all my YouTube videos, they have the closed captioning already. It's no big deal. Obviously, that's not good enough. This is not teaching the student the content. Um, a lot of people also say that they use um, Dragon. Uh, anybody have any experience with Dragon? Uh, um, Dragon's not the greatest, um, especially um, a lot of people say, oh, well, I'm just going to download the app. It's free, you know, and, and we'll have that checked out. So this is what I got when I used my Dragon app from that same clip. Clearly not affected. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's a bunch of gibberish. And so one of the things that we have to think about as faculty is we really want these students to learn. We have to give them the opportunity to do so. And if we're going to give them that opportunity, we really need to make sure these transcriptions are correct, at least somewhat accurate. That isn't even close. 
And so um, I, I just had a word of caution about these technological tools that say they transcribe. Some of them really don't do an effective job for us. So um, with that said, we do have online at UCF support. They can help you embed the videos, make them look good, all, all those types of things. They've been a great resource for me over the years. Um, I mentioned um, level two, which is now video at CDL. Emily Jimenez is over there. She's fabulous. Um, you can give her a DVD and the transcription, and she can make it look good. And she, a screenshot of that. So um, this is one of um, my courses. This is just a screenshot. As you can see, I go ahead and I um, introduce a concept. I show a video. This is how my class goes. Concept video, concept video. And so that way it really reinforces what I'm talking about. It has a CC button on the side of the video. You can see in the embedded uh, version. It looks good. It has UCF's information on the side. It looks official. I don't have to worry about it disappearing mid-semester because if you're on YouTube, how many people have had something disappear from YouTube? Yeah, I've had it done the morning up. I checked it that morning. And then I went to class and it was gone. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And so um, I've actually downloaded a lot of my YouTube videos. I highly recommend doing that too. Make sure that you have them uh, when you need them. That can be a, an unfortunate situation. Just have another quick screen capture of how I use a concept and then a video. But this is the best way. This way you keep your material. You have it available. It's not a problem. And um, it looks great for the students. It works every time. Um, another problem that I've had with having the YouTube videos is I've had students go off track in my course. And so the way that I use my online course is I keep them on track week by week. And so I close the module from the week before, keep them on track. I've actually had students who just go in and copy and paste my content from my modules into a Word document. And then they say, oh, look at the videos later. This doesn't allow them to do this. Okay, So this keeps them on track with the course. And I think that's really important. I don't want students waiting until the last minute. There's a reason we paste them. okay? Because they have to learn information in a certain order. We build upon that information throughout the course. Um, and like I, I did say, um, video at CDL, um, Emily um, runs a lot of the, the work over there. Um, they do caption the videos, but they do not do ones from YouTube. So it's usually you have to find the original source. And uh, for those of us who've been teaching a long time, I still use VHS sometimes. They've taken the VHS players out of the um, classrooms now, and so that's you know you have to buy the DVD or get it on or on uh, uh, what's the service I'm thinking of. Redbox or something like that. Um, another thing that um, video at CDL will do that is absolutely wonderful is that they will produce your own videos. And so if you have a concept, and this is especially good for those classes where you have a core course in your program, and um, you talk about the same concept in all of these courses, you can professionally develop a video personalized to your course through video at CDL. And um, they will help you through this entire process, which is absolutely wonderful, free to us. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful service that they can provide. And that is her information there. Um, so you can get um, additional information about how you can take advantage of those opportunities. I believe you have some information about how we can I do. take action now. Okay. Um, one thing I want to recommend is to use the <coughs> online course materials accessibility review. That's going to be available after this session. It'll help you go through your course and look at things that you might have, and then it'll have like a, a reference that if, if you think it's not accessible, if you don't have captioning or, or the PDF may not be accessible, they'll have some links to our resources as to how to do that. Um, again, our, our teach page has accessibility 
information, and that's also hard if you go there. There's a lot of information on how to do that. Um, use, the, use the audio booth. Um, a few of us went over there and tried it. It's truly awesome, and be able to add the captions yourself. Script everything. That's a that's Calvinism. <laughs> it recommends like if you're going to do audio and you're doing like maybe a podcast or something, and you do it every semester and you update it. If you have the transcript, you can go in and adjust it by the semester. You have your transcript, you can reread it and do the audio. It's there if students prefer to learn by audio. It's there if they need to learn initially. One of the other things that we recommend is if you don't have time or you don't have resources to make your whole course accessible, you know, especially one that you already created, try to at least get the first weeks accessible. You know, if you have video in there, get a transcript. If you have other things, try to provide that at least for the first week weeks so that if you get someone who has a disability and you haven't had time to do the whole that'll give them some extra time to go in and, and adjust whatever else needs to be fixed. Um, this is my pet peeve. Please refrain from using red text on a white background on in the online environment. With low vision or color blindness can't can't distinguish. I know often people put this is really important, but if it's in red, those students might be missing it. Um, kind of protect time with the tech rangers in our the online um, it, Evaluation. There's a place for other. If you're interested in it, let us know, and then we'll. There, they love doing these sessions, and they're really good at it. And they're they. Um, if you want, like, to learn about PDF, if you want to learn um, how Word documents accessible, how to zap your page up. Um, and there's Zap Zap again. That's a great tool. It makes really nice pages for you. And then if you happen to have an instructional designer assigned. Contact them for an accessibility course tune-up. The Tech Rangers have a new product they want to try that runs your course through this accessibility checker to see what kind of things you have in it and what might need, need to be uh, made accessible. They'll do um, certain, they'll do like, they'll make PDFs accessible, um, not, they won't do audio portions. And then... Um, Perhaps in the um, interest of time, since we've kind of exceeded our um, our allocated time today. If, if you would be so kind to take the feedback form and jot any questions that you have down, we can stay for a few minutes. Those of you who have to go, please do. But if you jot down any unanswered questions, uh, and especially if you want a personal follow-up, your email address, um, we'll follow up that way. But if it's just a general thing, we will compile an answer and we'll send that out with our follow-up resource. Okay. Um, do want to say thank you very much to Christine and to Kathleen. Uh, please, yes. It's a lot, a lot of intense stuff to, to cover in a very brief period of time. But uh, you, as you see, you've got a lot of, of resources you've taken away with you that are available online to help you. And uh, again, as Kathleen said, if you've got an instructional designer, make use of him or her. Um, let me direct your attention again to the session webpage. We're going to send out that follow-up URL to you, or it's bit.ly bit.ly slash online underscore accessibility. Uh, if you go there, that's where the archive recordings will be, as well as electronic versions of all the handouts you got here today. And uh, again, we'll send a follow-up email to you. Look for future seminars and upcoming semesters. If you've got specific ideas that you'd really like to see us address, uh, jot those down in the feedback form as well. If you're interested in being a presenter, we'd love to hear about that as well. That being said, thanks for coming out today face-to-face -to -face or joining us online. Have a great rest of your day. Stay dry. <laughs>